Welcome to the Rare Faith Podcast, where the solution to every problem is only an idea away, and where the same activity with just a little more awareness always yields better results. Award-winning, best-selling author, Leslie Householder, brings some of her best information to this inspiring series of life-changing episodes that you won't want to miss. Show notes for this episode can be found at ararekindoffaith.com. Our guest today is Leslie Householder, and I, I just have to tell you how excited I am to have her on the show with us today, first of all, because she's an amazing person. Um, she's the author of Jackrabbit Factor, among other things. By the way, if you haven't already done so, you can get a free copy of that ebook. And this is an amazing little book. It was the way that I was introduced to Leslie, actually, and I, I read the book and was kind of taken aback by what I read, and it took me a little while to incubate it, to think about it, got involved with her membership program, and uh, you can learn more about that as you read the book, but it was so much awesome information. A lot of things I already knew, some things that I thought I knew that I knew wrong, some things that were brand new information about God, goals, and getting things done in this life, and uh, really especially uh, cool perspectives about money, and we're going to talk about that today as well as goals and a lot of other things, but Leslie is among other things, she is an awesome writer. She's written The Jackrabbit Factor, Hidden Treasures. She's a contributing art author to several Chicken Soup for the Soul publications. Also just participated in a recent best-selling book. So she's just a great writer. She is able to communicate what's in her heart on the paper very well and to help us to bring along with her thoughts so that everybody can benefit from them, and I'm so grateful to her for what she's done there. She is the founder and president of Thoughts to Life, which is an organization dedicated to helping families achieve prosperity against all odds. And again, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And she's also a popular keynote speaker and educator. She is the wife of Trevin, and she's the mother of seven children. And I'm going to bring her on right now. Welcome, Leslie. Thanks, Marnie. It's great to be here. Oh, and I'm so so glad that you could join us today. And I know you've got you've got busy times coming up. You're doing you are planning some kind of a mentorship program right now, aren't you? We've been running a mentor training program since 2008. Those who want to be a part of that need to be an honors graduate of our home study program. And so that's why right now is the time a lot of people are thinking about it, a lot of people are talking about it because it takes about three months to go through that. And so we're excited about helping people who have a message to share or want to help people figure out how to do it in the most effective way and helping people shortcut the process so they don't have to soak as many pillows as I did <laughs> trying to trying to get your message to a global audience and without breaking uh-huh. the bank. Super. Okay. Well, you guys can learn all about that. If you go over to jackrabbitfactor.com, get that book, and then you'll be in touch with Leslie that way, and, and you can learn all about that stuff. We are going to dive right in because there's so much material I want to cover and uh, as you know, we work with a lot of people who have their own businesses. They are working, maybe managing other people's businesses or uh, CEOs or different positions within other people's businesses. But uh, what we're finding right now in our economy is that prices are skyrocketing. Of course, we're all feeling that personally at the gas pump, at the grocery store. You know, everywhere we go, we're feeling that. Yeah. But as business owners as people who are actually selling things to other people. I want to just address, uh, first of all, with you, the abundance mentality and how it applies 
right now in this particular time in our economy because if, if this is happening to everybody, I'm going to give you a couple examples. We had a, a meeting at our retail store this morning, and one of the gals was saying that there was a lady who obviously hadn't purchased fabric for a while. And so our retail store is a variety store. We have a lot of different 12 departments. One department is fabrics. Uh, for quilting and things like that. Well, anyway, this lady came in, and she was looking at the clearance fabric, and she said, well, if this fabric is 135 a yard, how much is it regular? Because she was expecting that to be the regular price. Well, of course, that price now is closer <laughs> to 499 Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you know, you blink, and these prices change. Same thing with our restaurant. People come in, and they say, well, I want the two-for-five-dollar lunch special. And we say, I'm sorry, that's a two-for-seven-dollar lunch special now. And they're like, when did that happen? And it's like, well, it's gradually been happening. But it's happening fast enough now that people are – they're sick of shock every day, it seems like when people see the prices on things that we're offering as businesses. And I wondered if you'd just address that for me. How, as a business owner, how can you smile and remain in an abundance mentality when people are giving you feedback like that? Like, it's too much. I can't afford this anymore. It's a dilemma. Um, and, and what I've found is, at least in our business, there have been a lot of things we've created over the last 10 years that we don't have time to talk about anymore. It's created. It's on file. It's there. But we're talking about what we're doing right now. And so we've found that we can make use of all the other things we've created in the past and make it kind of like um, like the discount outlet of all this great information that if you're a business owner and you've got something to offer that's your regular bread and butter items and people are balking at the price, you know, give them some options of other things that don't cost you anything to offer where you can still be profitable, but create other options and and help them feel like, oh, I do have choices. So that's a great idea there. In a brick and mortar, uh, it's maybe a little different because there's really nothing that you do have that doesn't cost you anything. (laughs) Everything is a tangible product, but I can think of one thing that we're doing that is something that we can do. It's a very small percentage off compared to other things. Is a little buy 12, get one free, a program that gives you something, which is a stamp on a little card every time you, you know, buy a product or buy a certain amount of money. And that's something that you can do for free. So, I mean, that's a great idea, and that can be used online or offline to do that. Well, let's come back. Let's wing back around to this one later in our conversation. But right now, Lizzie, I talked about abundance, but let's go ahead and just start, for those who aren't familiar with it, let's start with a quick rundown of the laws of success. And there are too many to spend a lot of time here on it. But, guys, when you're listening to this, I hope that this is going to peak your curiosity and that you will go over and get jackrabbit factor because i wasn't even honestly leslie before i came upon your material i honestly wasn't even aware of some of these in how they were affecting me you know we have this peripheral thought of them maybe every once in a while that they're out there but we really don't think that they're affecting me and i love that about your training and what i realized before i learned them is or as i began to learn them is, you know, I had kind of reduced my philosophy of life down to be good and you'll prosper. Obey the commandments of God and things will go okay, you know. And and that's kind of what it boiled down to. And I would get so frustrated because I felt like God had things in mind for me to do and I didn't have the means to do them. And it was just a, a stuck, frustrating point. And it was when I began to realize that there is more to know that it dawned on me that, you know, the laws of nature, for example, gravity, affects us all day long, our entire life. 
And we can go through life aware of it or not aware of it, but if we understand it, we can avoid pain. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so the knowledge is what really gives you the freedom and the power to live or abide by them by your choice and benefit from that. So the laws of success, they're always present and they're always affecting us and we can either live by them or not. We can do it consciously or unconsciously. But, you know, it's when we understand them that we can abide them on purpose and avoid pain. You know, people, you could you could say, well, I don't believe in gravity. It, it, you know, you're still going to fall off the building if you get too close to the edge. It's just It's just there. And so there are seven laws that I like to bring up. Sometimes I'll throw in the eighth one that's kind of a bonus law. And it just <laughs> it just kind of sums it all up. It, it has become my toolbox for when something happens and I just don't know what to think about it, I kind of run down my list of laws and, all right, which one, if I think on right now, is going to help me respond to this in the best way. The first one's called the law of perpetual transmutation. It's a big word, and it just means that all circumstances and things are perpetually coming into form or going out of form according to your thoughts. So as you believe in your goal, the goal is is developing. As you doubt it, it's undeveloping. And, and all of this goes on without us seeing it. And really it's not until the last stages of accomplishing the goal that we see the evidence of the effects of our thoughts. And that's why just thinking on this one helps me believe longer, trusting that things are happening even though mm-hmm. I can't see them. So yeah. the second one is called the law of relativity. The law of relativity is a lot of think on when you're trying to stay positive. You know, because you've always heard, oh, to think positive, you know, you got to stay believing and all these good things. But sometimes you just don't know how to think positive about something that's evidently horrendous. And so the law of relativity says that your situation is not fundamentally good or bad until you compare it to something else. It's all relative. So if something bad has happened, by default, we look at that and we get all upset and we put ourselves into this negative place and then the goals we've set start to pull away from us. But instead, when something bad happens, you look at it and say, okay, well, you know what? How could this be worse? And put it in a good light. No matter how ugly it is, it can always be placed in a good light. Have you experienced that? Have you seen a need to to turn the way you view things around? The circumstances don't change, but the way you view them can be changed. Yeah, I think there's two things that come right to mind for me on this one. First of all is the practice of taking things to the worst possible scenario. And I love that practice. I do that whenever I'm scared. I do that because I always I always want to know, okay, if this is the worst that it possibly could be, can we still live through this? Mm-hmm. And um and that really helps to put it into perspective. It could be a lot worse than it is usually. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that comes to my mind is I really hate the saying, well, you've got it better than a lot of people. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps and just get on with life. And, you know, sometimes the situation you're in, it's so painful in whatever way, physical, emotional, relational, whatever way, is that you're like, well, I, I believe that somebody has it worse than me, but I don't see that how that helps me right now. And what yeah. I really like is the law of relativity isn't saying that. It isn't saying, because it's worse for somebody else, therefore it should be better for you. That's not what it's saying. Yeah. It's saying, put this into perspective so that you can huh, get a little perspective on it. Well, and the way I like to look at it is when I'm having a really bad day and I can kind of step outside myself, usually I have to have my pity party first for a while, but when I'm done with that, I'll look at it and, and I'll say, you know what, 
I'll thank God for that day as it is because without it, I won't really even know how good the next day is. You know, the good day. I I won't appreciate the good day. And so I thank him for the bad one because, like, man, this is going to really help me appreciate the good one. And it's, you know, it's a small little shift, but it really keeps those goals moving towards you. That's such a great way to think about it. There's another phrase that I have. I started about two years ago, and I had to think about it for a full year before it came a practice for me, but now it's a habit. Whenever I'm going through something really, really hard and painful. And you guys, you're listening to us, and you're listening to people who have experienced a lot of success in their life, but we still have painful things all Mm -hmm. the time, just like you. It's not the painful things don't go away. What you do with them maybe changes, but they don't go away. But one of the things I love to do now, Leslie, is I just envision myself seeing Jesus face-to-face on that day when I'm in heaven with him and when I get to finally see him face-to-face like that in person and in the flesh, our flesh that we'll have then. And uh, I, I like to imagine him just looking back at this particular situation I'm in with me. And in that moment, I know that what I'm going to realize is that he was protecting, he was providing, he was doing everything that he could and still keep the world spinning in the way that he knows it needs to be until all things work out. He's got a bigger job than we do, you know. And I know that I'm going to in that day be horrified at my childish behavior if I look back and say, oh, you know, I was such a, I was such a complainer, whiner, ungrateful person then. You know, so like you, you know, you experience the pain, but then you tell your brain, okay, come on, there is more to life than this. Relativity, I love it. What's the next one? Well, and there's a purpose, and there's a purpose for it. Yeah, can I just interject a quick story? This really oh, yeah. this came to mind, and I, and I feel like sharing it, and that is, that I was facing something that just felt like it was tearing my world apart and it was devastating me and I was angry at God and I was angry at everyone around me and I just wasn't handling it very well. And inside I knew, oh, Leslie, you need to stop acting this way. It's not the right thing to do, blah, 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 but I was just mad. And um, it it caused me to do certain things that I would not have done otherwise that were uncomfortable, that I didn't like, but on the other side of that, I finally could see things clearly, and I realized, you know what? He allowed me to go through that because he knew that's what needed to happen to cause me to do that. And I realized he he was there all along. He was lovingly holding me through it, knowing that if it got bad enough, I would move. And I did. And it was only after I moved that I realized it was all part of the plan, and it's okay. So Mm -hmm. next one. The next one is called the Law of Vibration. Now, the law of vibration refers to the fact that everything in the world on a molecular level is buzzing around, moving, vibrating. You know, it's an ocean of motion when you boil it right down to the cellular and molecular level. And have you ever walked into a room where somebody's angry and you can feel it and they didn't even have to say anything? I have to tell you, I'm going to just say something right here because I didn't even know that that was possible until we had our third child. Mm-hmm. And he was the, he was the baby that would do that. I would walk into a room and sit down, and pretty soon he'd be squirming around, and then he'd be screaming because his stomach was upset. He could feel tension in the air that I was completely oblivious to. Yeah, it's it's the craziest thing. You're sensitive you to that. You taught me this. I I knew that this was there, Leslie, but until you explained it, I, I hope you're going to give us your illustrations here, how you how you help people see this. I never really got this until I heard you explain it. It's kind of. Um revealing because I I mean I have a son who no matter what I say he knows what I'm feeling and it comes down to you know words are noise vibrations never lie and it's true 
It's true. You, you know, if, and if you're really sensitive to that, and that's, I think, one of our goals in this life is to become sensitive to those spiritual things and, and the, the less obvious physical input, data, and whatever that our five senses give us. But here's the thing. Our thoughts control our vibration. You know, our body is a tool we were given to go about and do things. We, we are not a body. We live in a body. And our body vibrates just like every other object in the room. And by our vibration, people pick up senses. You know, they, they pick up on, on things from us, emotions from us. And so, like, if you're going in for a job interview and you're saying all the right things and you've got all the right body language, but deep in your heart you have disbelief or you have negative feelings or whatever, that person who's interviewing you is going to pick up on something that isn't quite right and they may not be conscious to it. But the results that you get are going to be more according to your vibration than the words you choose and, and the things you do. And so here's what you need to know is that your thoughts, the thoughts you choose, control that vibration. When you change your thoughts and you, you allow the emotions to match those thoughts, you're going to change the kinds of results you get and the kinds of blessings that show up in your life. Uh, that's why gratitude is so important. Living in gratitude, you can live in a place that allows more good things to come to you uh, when you're angry and bitter and ungrateful you know those of you listening who are parents when your child receives something from you and receives it with ingratitude or negativity how quickly are you ready to give them something else life's no different i i really believe that so that's the law of vibration are we ready for the next one oh, no not at all <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready no, to run. I, I love these. Yeah, you are. You're, you're right. Uh, no, I was thinking on this one. First of all, I was thinking about gratitude, and you were talking about parents. That brought to my mind the child who keeps looking at the presents under the tree coming up to Christmas time and is so disgusted, impatient, ungrateful, that you almost want to take the present out from under the tree. You're yeah. planning on giving the kids that present, but because of their stinking attitude, it's like, wow, I, this isn't even fun anymore for me. I just think, again, remember that God is managing the entire universe. It's not an easy job. And he's got a lot of people to think about other than just you, other than just me. It's amazing because I'm always thinking about me, but he's got a few other people on his mind. <laughs> so he wants us to just be grateful and to wait for his timing on things. And a lot of times that's when we get icky. But... Leslie, before we move off of this, tell us about radio waves because that's the one that just that blew me away. It's interesting because if you have a radio in your room and say you turn it on and you hear what's being broadcast, uh, let's say it's country music, and you listen to that for a while and you think, oh, that's nice, but you know what, I'm ready for, say, classical. You're not going to call the radio station up and say, okay, I'm ready for classical now. Could you, you know, change that, what your programming? And they're going to be like, no, you change your dial. The classical music is already in the room with you. The country music is in the room with you. You know, people talk about the law of attraction and that if you just think right, that you will attract everything you need into your life. Well, in reality, it's like radio and radio waves. Everything you already want and need is already right there near you close enough to you that you could claim it at any time, but until you are in the right vibration, vibrating at the right frequency, to recognize it, it's going to stay invisible. It's like the radio did not attract the music. The music was already there. And I like to also make the point that the solution to every problem, 
and the next step for every goal is only an idea away. And that idea is in the room with you just as classical music is. It's just inspired ideas. They're already there. They're already waiting for you, and you tune into it by changing your vibration, which is changed by your thoughts. It's so simple. It's so simple. This was just revolutionary for me. Just to, you know what? I've always been a very positive thinker, a very grateful person, always trying to, you know, if I catch myself doing self-talk that's demeaning to me or somebody else or a situation, I usually run that right to Jesus and talk to him about it. And it's amazing how fast he can turn that around and show me a little perspective on it. And it's always good. He has a great perspective. But yeah. when you explain vibration, You explain it in such an interesting way that it makes me realize how many times I was still leaving, I'm just going to say it, leaving blessings on the table because I was allowing myself to just be a negative ick, you know? And how fun is that for you? How fun is it for the people around you? How effective is that being, really? I mean, just ask yourself, maybe it would be more effective to change the vibration and have fun. (laughs) Well, thank okay. you. <laughs> well, and I have to say too. I mean, think about it. Maybe I'm the only one, but how often? Ask yourself this: How often have you knelt in prayer to ask for something you really, really need, all the while picturing the disaster you're trying to avoid and feeling anxiety about the consequences if that blessing doesn't come? And so, what you're doing is you're speaking the words to ask. I mean, we've been promised, "Ask and you shall receive," but ask in faith nothing wavering and so that means picture it done feel it as though it's already happened and if you are feeling it as though it's already happened you're going to be in a state of gratitude for it before it's even yours then ask for it that's asking with faith but most of the time we we say oh please send me money before my mortgage comes due because otherwise i'll be on the streets and you're picturing you on the streets yeah i mean it's you got to get lined up so that God can answer the prayer. He wants to. It goes back to what you just said a little while ago. Words are noise. Vibrations never lie. And really, it says God sees the heart of a person. He's not listening to your words. If your words aren't matching with what your heart is saying, he's, yep. he's understanding what your heart is saying. It's so. It's just so powerful. Okay, let's keep going because the time is going okay. by. This is so much fun. I could talk about this forever. In fact, I think I will. <laughs> So the next one is called the law of polarity. I love this one. This is one of my favorites. Everything has an opposite. A bad situation is equally good. In other words, if something happens that you think is horrible in your life, by the law of polarity, you know that contained within it, as Napoleon Hill says, is the seed of equal or greater benefit. The seed of equal or greater benefit. But most of the time, we see this horrible thing that's happened to us, and that's all we can see. But this law tells me, ooh, there's a package inside this somewhere. I'm going to go find it. It reminds me of a story of these two little boys who uh, woke up Christmas morning to go to the tree, and all there was was just all this horse manure everywhere. And the one little boy was, like, crying, crying, oh, this is horrible, Christmas with horse manure everywhere, everywhere. And the other little boy, his brother, starts jumping through it and digging in it. And and the mom's like, what are you doing? She says, well, with this much manure here, there's got to be a pony somewhere. And so, you know, and it's it's a law that you can depend on that when there is Absolutely. something horrible, it's it, it does contain something of benefit to you, and and all it takes is just an intention to find it, and you find it, and you turn around, and you can be so grateful for that horrible experience because of the gift that it contained. 
Now, I have to just play devil's advocate for just a moment here because <laughs> if it's true that in everything bad there has to be something good, is it also true that whenever something good is happening to you, that means something equally or more bad will happen to you? No, it means there's a seed of equal or greater bad. I mean, it's Thank it's you. the seed in both sides. And so it comes down to you will find what you are looking for. Uh, there's a great way. Uh, a friend of mine taught me this saying, and I, I say it all the time. Everything that comes into my life, God wants to use for my good. But everything that comes into my life, Satan wants to use to destroy me. And Leslie, I don't know how many times I say that every week. <laughs> so yeah. that'll come up and I'll like, okay, God, you want to use this for good and Satan wants to use this for bad. Who am I going to partner with here? And it's a choice. In that it moment, is a you choice. just have a choice. I love that. Thank you. Okay. Perfect. Clarity, number five. Number five is the law of rhythm. I rely on this one so much. When you feel down by the law of rhythm, you can be assured that an upswing is coming. So in other words, when you're having a down day, a lot of people fall into the trap of saying, oh, my life is headed for doom because of this bad day. It's going in a direction that's unacceptable. I look at a bad day as, oh, okay, law of rhythm. I have to have this up and down rhythm in order for me to appreciate the good. If it was a straight shot to the top, all the way, easy going, I wouldn't know joy. I mean, you think about go to a, an amusement park and you go get on a roller coaster. Imagine this roller coaster. You get on at the bottom and you're in this cart and it cranks its way and so it's pulling you all the way to the top and once you get to the top, you get off and you climb down because the ride is over. <laughs> Or there's the regular roller coaster ride, which you get to the top and it sends you on this journey. There's ups and downs and twists and turns. And which roller coaster ride would have the longest line? We want to feel. It's the ups and downs that cause us to feel. If you go at the same pace, at the same rate, I mean, imagine getting in a car and being driven somewhere with your eyes blindfolded. If you never turned, if you never sped up or slowed down, you might as well just be sitting there still. You wouldn't even know the difference. You have to feel. And and when people stop feeling things, sometimes they turn to substance abuse or other things just to get them to feel something because something is better than nothing. And so that's why we need to embrace the ups and downs, recognize that everything in nature is rhythmic. The tide comes in, the tide goes out. Nobody goes and stands on the beach mourning the loss of the water as it goes out. They know it will come back, you know. It was interesting in my book called Feeling Love, Connecting with God in the Minutes You Have, I talk about when you're just devastated, something just horrible has happened. At that moment, then I say, well, good, because now I know I'm still alive, and I've got a few more days here left on earth to accomplish something before I go to heaven where everything's not going to be like this. <laughs> but, you know, while we're here, well, you know, if you're experiencing grief or, you know, something horrible, just remember, you have a couple more days on earth or maybe a little another hour or whatever to do something for the glory of God. And what you can do in the, that very moment is thank him for that moment that you still have, that you can express your gratitude to God in the body you are currently in. Because you're not yeah. going to always have this opportunity. At some point, you'll leave this body behind and you'll be expressing your gratitude in a different way. But while we're here, this is the only moments we have to do this. And doing it, it's, it calls it in the Bible, the sacrifice of grace. You know, that's when it hurts, you know is now I'm going to praise you anyway. And that is of great value to God. He loves those. He loves those. Yeah. We only live in lack when we're thinking ahead at some future event where we're afraid we don't have what we need for that moment. 
in any given moment, we have all that we need right now, and we have to remember to stop and recognize that. You know, it's it's when people start thinking, oh, well, I don't have what I need for next Thursday, that they fall into this this fear and doubt, and then love perpetual transmutation starts to kick in, and they're not even aware of it, and it can fulfill itself. So, if listeners got nothing else out of the whole program except what you just said, <laughs> that that would be worth it right there. Okay, the next one is called the law of cause and effect. It tells us that action and reaction are equal and in opposite directions. So in other words, if you're trying to get something, you need to turn that around and just focus on what you can give. As you strive to serve and do God's will, you can trust that all that you need will continue to come to you as you need it. And he loves to test our faith. He loves to see how long we will remain faithful when all appearances show that we are running out. Oh, so many of the verses have promised us to take no thought of what you shall wear, what you shall eat. Do what you're put here to do, trust God, and it's all going to work out. And I've had to test that over and over and over again, and I keep thinking I've learned it. And then he tests me again to make sure I still know it. And I'm grateful for those tests because it reminds me of my dependence on him. Yeah, yeah, and I just think, Leslie, too, that growing into Christ, into Christ-likeness, I compare it to like a screw going into a piece of wood, and you learn that lesson with that first screw, (laughs) and then as the screwdriver takes it another twist around, you feel that, you actually feel that, but every another twist around, Christ is Becoming more of your centrality, more of who you are, more of what you are, more of what you're breathing, what you're doing. And every turn, remember, it may be painful, but it's wonderful because Mm -hmm. it's making you more Christ-like. It's not. It has the potential to make you more Christ-like. You have to choose whether that's how you're going to think about it or not. I love cause and effect. Is this the one? This is the one where I feel like is the closest to sowing and reaping. Yeah. Yeah. It's the law of the harvest. Yeah. I love that. So, good. The next one is called the law of gender or gestation. I've heard it kind of both ways, and I've kind of really, I've I've thought a lot on this and what the meaning is behind it. A couple directions I like to take it is the law of gestation just says that every idea seed has a gestation period, just like we know exactly how many days or weeks it takes for an elephant to go from conception to birth. We know approximately it's 40 weeks for a human to go from conception to birth. And the thing about our ideas, they are just like those kinds of seeds that take time to mature and develop. And we don't know how long it takes for that particular idea to develop. We just have to hang on to the trust that we plant the seed and we don't pull it out every day to see if it's sprouting roots. Um, we got to let it, let it gestate. And, in fact, you know, you think about it, how often have you set a goal and you've set a date for that goal and the date comes and it didn't happen, and then a lot of people say, well, I guess this goal-setting thing doesn't work. Well, how many women who have born children got to 41 weeks and says, oh, I guess this baby thing isn't going to work? You know, it's like every day day that the baby has not come, they're going to be spending their time getting more ready. Oh, I have another day to prepare the nursery a little bit more. Oh, I have another day to get some food frozen for my family for meals, you know, for that first week or whatever. And so most of these laws are to help us think counterintuitively when things don't go the way we think they should. 
So when you get to the date that you set for your goal and it doesn't happen, rather than getting disappointed and saying, oh, man, I don't know what I did wrong. I mean, remember the law of perpetual transmutation. You don't want to halt its progress by thinking and doubting in that way. Instead, you say, man, boy, I'm so glad it didn't come yet because it must be better for the weight. I want the baby. I don't want the embryo. I want it to come fully formed. And we we just don't know how long these things take. There were some goals that I've set that I thought would take two months, and they took five years. And looking back, I can see how if it had showed up in two months, it would not have been good. There were things that had to take place first, you know, situations that had to be in line and, and stuff so that I could be prepared to receive it in the right way at the right time with the right maturity and preparations. And so allow that process to take place. There's two things I want to say here because I think this is huge. First of all, I always say that when we get to heaven, I believe that the thing that will surprise us the most about anything in life is all going to be related to timing, where we really couldn't see what God was doing. But he had a perfect plan, and we were on track with it. But because we couldn't see the timing, again, like the Christmas tree, and the younger you are, the less you can understand weight. The smaller faith we have, the less we can understand weight. Uh, weight is a horrible place. We hate weight. Uh, we really like, you know, we're instant society. But we look at the people in the Bible who were willing to do that, live with an open hand, which was, well, so to go Abraham, for example, he lives with an open hand, waits until he's, what, almost 100 years old to have that child. Mm-hmm. And then living with an open hand, God says, no, go sacrifice the child. So he's even willing to do that, to completely die to the dream once he has it. He lived with such an open hand. And God just loved that man. And we can see other people in the Bible that were like that along the way, too. Joseph along the way. In the pit. Okay, then sold into slavery. When then he does his best, he gets to the top, gets to the bottom, all the way to the dungeon now. You know, goes to the top of that, gets to the top. Finally, he gets to sit on the throne. But, you know, he couldn't see that all the way along the way. He had no hope except yeah. that he had a vision. You know, he had to just wait, wait, wait. So the people in the Bible really demonstrate this for us, this this gestation thing. It's a blind Shoot, if you set, and, and when you set a goal, set a date, absolutely, but hold it with an open hand. And one of the things I think, Leslie, I think that sometimes the goals we have to wait the longest for, the ones that have the biggest effect on us and on the people around us and our sphere of influence and even possibly on future generations, are oftentimes the ones that cost us the most in the faith arena, you know, the ones that oh, yeah. just were really, really tough. Yeah, I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, true. Well, are you going to give us an eighth bonus? I'll give you the bonus. Yeah, <laughs> this is one of my favorites. It's called the vacuum law of prosperity. Yeah, and I love and this too, is yeah. the one that says nature abhors a vacuum. In other words, if you want something in your life that does not currently <sighs> exist, you need to make a place for it. I was talking to a woman who was uh, wanting to be married was hoping to find that special person that she could share her life with. And when she learned about the vacuum law, she realized, you know what, I've been living alone for so long, I haven't made a place for a husband. So she cleared out her closet and, and emptied half of the closet so there would be room for a man's clothing. Oh my <laughs> she created a place. Nature abhors a vacuum. I, I like to tell this story. Um, if we have time, it's a quick one. Bob Proctor yeah. was my mentor for many years, and he shared a story that taught me this in a very, very profound way. He said he was visiting his aunt who lived in a trailer home. And when he got there, the aunt was just mortified and apologizing about her horrible curtains. She hated her curtains. 
and she just wouldn't stop talking about how embarrassed she was about them. And he said, you know, dear aunt, you love those curtains. She says, what are you talking about? I hate them. And he says, no, you love them. She's like, I, I do not love them. He says, if you hated them, they would be gone. You love them. That's why they're here. And she says, but I don't have money to replace them. He says, you don't need new curtains because you don't have a place for new curtains. And so he convinced her to take them down, clean them up, and give them away. Not sell them, give them away. God pays better than yard sale shoppers, by the way. And so she did this. <laughs> she did this, and the next time he came to visit her, and, it, you know, she was really concerned about that because she didn't have the money to replace them, and she didn't like living in a fishbowl. And so next time he came to visit her, she had new beautiful curtains, and her furniture was all gone. <laughs> she had learned that it works. It works. And this is one of my favorite laws because it is something that you can put to the test immediately. You don't have to wait to understand anything. You can just put it to the test. I came home from learning about this one at an event, and we had been complaining and apologizing for our carpet for three years. We didn't have the money to replace it. We were barely making ends meet as it was, but we were just so fed up with this nasty carpet. We had bought the home as a repossessed home, and it had nasty stuff on there when we moved in, and we washed it as best we could, but we knew that it had always been that way, you know. And so we came home, and we pulled out the carpet. We let the kids go to town with it with markers and food, and they finger-painted with ketchup and syrup and just had a good time because it wasn't worth giving away. You know, we just thought we'll make some fun out of it. Pulled it out, threw it away, and we lived on tax strip for about three weeks. But I tell you, we got creative. When the need was big enough, and it was, we had babies on those floors with tax strips around the edges and concrete, we found a way, and we ended up buying new carpet without going into debt. I don't know where the money came from, but we created a vacuum, and nature abhors a vacuum. So it's a powerful, powerful lesson. If there's something that you've been complaining about, let it go. Make room for something better. It, you know, it's the Sea of Galilee principle. You think about the the River Jordan and how it goes from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea, and all the water flows through the Sea of Galilee, and it's a place of great industry and there's lots of growth there, lots of fish and then it travels down through into the Dead Sea where it has no outlet. It just keeps everything that comes to it and the water ends up evaporating anyway and it leaves it with such toxic minerals that nothing can grow there. And so people who hang on to everything out of fear that they'll lose whatever, they're going to lose it anyway and they're going to be left with this decay and non-growth kind of a life so you got to let things go just let things flow through your life if you're not using it things were created to be used if you're not using it let somebody use it who can appreciate it so that's my plug on that Leslie I know your story but there's somebody listening right now who's never heard of you until we talked into this show <laughs> and uh, they might be saying well that's fine for her she's a best-selling author <laughs> she's, she's doing well but why, why don't you just very quickly Leslie tell them Tell them where you came from. Okay. Well, yeah, my husband and I, we married young, and we had dreams of me being a stay-at-home mom, and that was the plan. And after a year of being married, I had their first baby, and I stayed home with him for a year without being financially prepared to do so. We were operating on faith that this is what we believed God wanted for our family, and so we were just going to do it as though it was going to work out and trust. And what happened was that it didn't work out. We went into debt pretty deeply. I ended up having to go back to work after my husband last lost his job. 
and I remember dropping my baby off at daycare in the morning when it was still dark and picking him up again after work when it was dark again. I didn't see him during the light of day during the weeks, and it was it put me into a depression, you know, and a few kids later, it got to a point where, I mean, this was the first time I started questioning whether or not there really was a God. I, I felt like I was saying goodbye to someone that I had leaned on for so many years because where was he now? Here I put my faith in him and it didn't work out. And I had a lot of questions about, okay, so really what's going on? And and we uh, we attended seminars and we read books for seven years trying to make sense out of all of this. And it stretched us like nothing has ever stretched me to the point where, I mean, we're talking about mentality and how you respond to, to challenges. There was one day I came outside of our little two-bedroom apartment, and I walked outside, and I saw my broom had been broken in half by a neighbor kid. And, you know, there's a hundred ways to solve that problem, but where I was at, in my depression, in my frustration, in my sense of being lost, I ended up calling the police on the kid who broke my broom. And, you know, a year later, I called the police on a little five-year-old boy who stole cookie dough from my fridge. So nobody can tell me I haven't been in a place of desperation. I've lived there a long time. And it was only in that place that I was finally prepared and open enough to seek deeper answers than what I had been taught that far and come to find out that there is a law in heaven that says there are laws that are connected to the blessings we seek. And if you want that blessing, you have to obey the law that's connected to that blessing. And I'm like, well, what are these laws? Just be good. Well, be good and you'll prosper is like saying, as long as I obey the speed limit, I can shoplift without consequence. They're not even related to each other. And so there are these laws of prosperity are connected to the amount of abundances in your life, and it all works together. It's all related, but I just need somebody to kind of point it out a little more clearly because I wasn't getting it on my own. Yeah. But, yeah, it, so that's, that's where you came around to the Thoughts Alive International. That's where you help families to really understand these principles. And I guess for listeners, I've been through this training. It is so excellent, guys. If you haven't done it, be sure to check that out. Leslie, what is the craziest goal you've ever set, and how did it work out for you? <laughs> oh, you know, I, I I have to rack my brain to find which one's the craziest because we've seen a lot of crazy goals. <laughs> but the one that I want I to share, <laughs> the one that I want to share, they, you know, and they range anywhere from getting a big chunky wooden headboard that I wanted and finding it out for the trash one day, or what, you know, or moving into the house of our dreams, whatever, anything in between. There, the one that I want to share the most, though, it relates with the thing that drives me and all the goals I've ever set, and that is family time. There is nothing more important to me than my family. And so all the goals I set are how can I accomplish this or that so that I can have more time with my family. You know, it all comes back to that. So there was one summer that I thought I – want to take my children, and there's seven of them, with my husband. We want to take a trip back east. We live in Arizona. We want to take a trip back east to participate in this big theatrical production. It's a volunteer thing. It's a ministry kind of thing where it depicts sections of Scripture. And I thought, what an amazing experience to go spend two weeks learning all the parts and putting on this big pageant. It's like 700 cast members, outdoor theater, amazing experience and I'd had a dream for about 10 years to take my family and participate in that 
But when I counted up the costs, it was going to amount to about $10,000 at a time where we didn't have discretionary money to work with. I mean, we were trying to make ends meet, trying to keep our house paid, you know, trying to keep food on the table. And how are we going to come up with $10,000 to take this trip and create this memory with the family? And it was at a time when all of my children were at home you know, because once the older ones get older, you start seeing them leave the home, and I wanted to create that memory. So here's the thing, though. To participate in it, we had to apply 10 months ahead. So 10 months ahead, I had to sign up my family or at least apply. Wow. I thought, well, it doesn't hurt anything to apply. Even though we don't have the money to do this, I'm going to apply and just see if we get in. And so then that was in September of the year before. Well, come November we were notified that we were accepted. I'm like, oh, dang, this means <laughs> now I've got to figure out how we're going to do this. And so the hardest part of this whole process was making the decision to do it. Because if you wait until the way is there, you're never going to get things done. These hard, hard goals have to start with a decision to do it in spite of the lack of resources. And so that was something we, we, you know, counseled as a family. Okay, are we ready to put our heart and soul behind this? We felt like it was something God wanted for us, and so we felt like he was on our side. But we couldn't see how it was going to happen. And so we responded to the letter and said, yes, we'll be there. And week after week, I just started really just trying to find ways to start setting aside the money, start getting the plane tickets. Imagine buying plane tickets for nine people to cross the country without assurance that you're going to have the money for the rest of what you need once you get there. Mm. That every step of the way was a, a leap of faith. And it got to the point where we had to leave on Thursday. Thursday? Yeah, Thursday or Friday. And the last of the money that we needed showed up Wednesday. Um. And we'd been working on it all year long. But see, by the time you're yeah. deep into it, there's no turning yeah. back. You've burned your bridges. You're going for it. And you're <laughs> going to do everything you can. And, you know, the Lord rewards that kind of faith. He really does. does. But it's an exercise. And I, I think, and, and I want to talk about this next with you here anyway, so this is a great segue. But I always think about when they were building the one bridge, and I think it was Golden Gate Bridge, and the guys were falling to their death because they would just be doing their work and they just couldn't hang on and do their work. And so these guys were falling and dying. And the work was just progressing at a snail's pace. And what they did is they invested thousands and tens of thousands of dollars into this huge net that went under the construction project. So it was above the water. So if you fell, you would still be, uh, I mean, it would be a shocking experience, and, and you would have <laughs> a long walk back, you know. <laughs> but at least you wouldn't die, you know. Yeah. And what happened is that they ended up finishing the bridge in record time, faster than they had imagined, so they saved back all the money they spent on the net simply by having people know that they were okay, even if they failed. They were okay. And I think that's the difference between people who are willing to really go for a goal and those who aren't. They understand that God's got their back. It's even if I fail here, it's okay for me to try. It's okay for me to go for it. You have such a unique way of thinking about this, Leslie, about what's your part, what's God's part. For, for instance, you, until the day before you left, you didn't have the rest of that money, and you didn't know how to get it, I assume. You didn't have a brilliant plan to come up with the rest of this money. You were trusting. You were doing the things that come to your mind to do, but you were trusting for the rest. Tell us about how you manage that balance, what your part well, is I, and what's that part. You have to keep those seven laws in mind. 
I, you know, that exercise was a, a, a test of the perpetual transmutation principle, that as long as I take a step towards it, it's taking a step towards me. And I don't always know how to go about what needs to be done, but I've learned to trust that it's my job just to keep rolling, to stay in forward motion, and it's God's job to steer me. You know, you can't steer a parked car, right? Right. And you're going to fall, but just be sure to keep falling forward. And my dad taught me just to work like it depends on me and pray like it depends on God, and then the two of us together can move mountains. And uh, that's really (laughs) what it comes down to. It's just got to stay in motion. Stay in motion. Do something. Do something. People keep thinking, oh, I've got to do some big miraculous thing to make progress. No, it's one phone call. It's filing that paper. It's just doing something that keeps you in forward motion. And every act in the right direction sets the law of cause and effect. says that you put that ripple out in that direction, something's going to ripple back towards you. And the things you need will show up when you get there. Oh, man, if we had time, I'd tell you the story about the the box fan. If we have time at the end, I'll throw that in. Remind me. It's really, really good. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. I just want to, we are coming to the end of the hour here, and I just want you to know if you're listening, and this is vibrating with you, and you're saying, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I haven't understood. I need more of this information. First of all, the way to get started with Leslie is to go over to jackrabbitfactor.com. Request that free book. That gets you onto the mailing list, and the autoresponder there will help you understand how to proceed if you want to get more information about their training program, about their mentorship training, anything, everything is over there. And all I can say is I highly, highly, highly recommend it. There is just no red flags here, guys. There's just such great information. So highly recommend it. I want, though, Leslie, before we let you tell your story here to end up, we've got about five minutes left, I want you to just tell us, how did you get into the coaching side of it? You've kind of shared with us how you <laughs> kind of came to understand the principles, but how did you begin this side of it where you're helping other people understand it? You suffer long enough that when you finally have your breakthrough, and in our case, when we finally understood what was missing in our thinking, in three months we tripled our income after those seven years of just, ah, And it was such a profound breakthrough that it was kind of like, all right, yeah, I could just go on with my life and enjoy the breakthrough, but it had been so painful before that there was something inside of me that had to help others experience the same thing. You know, someone asked a famous rock star once, well, so why do you write music? And he just kind of laughed and he says, so I can sleep? (laughs) It was like something inside that just has to be done, and that's what I feel like has happened to me over the years. And I still remember how painful it is to live there, and I want people to feel the breakthrough that I had. I want them to experience that. Well, thank you, and thank you also just for that. Again, a lot of what we do here on this show is we talk about life paradigms and One of mine for sure is the way that you know that it's something that God's putting in your heart is, first of all, that it lines up with his laws, which are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if your goal lines up with those two things, those two rules, and it simply will not go away, it will not go away. Even when you're uh, sure it's dead, buried, and gone. <laughs> well, and I have again. to say, I have to say that you know my my whole desire was just to be mom. I didn't want a career. I wasn't looking for a career. And in fact, the things that I've done the last ten years to put this together, honestly, I've done kicking and screaming. <laughs> I haven't. I mean, there's. I've, it's been this internal wrestle, yeah. like, oh, I want to, but I don't want to. But I want to, but I don't want yeah. to. And. And I found that every time I've tried to abandon it, the Lord's like, no, I've got something for you to do here. 
finish the job, finish the job. And so things always go smoother when I obey that. <laughs> so, I just, you know, I, I just encourage so you to just just to know just to know that all of us are your little kids too. You know, we're all just learning from you, just like your all kids are. So just think, just think, you know, envision yourself as that Isaiah fifty. I think it's Isaiah fifty three woman who extended her tent pegs and <laughs> room for all of us. <laughs> okay, oh, we have two minutes. Do you have time to tell us your story? <laughs> Well, you know what, I, I wanted to tell you this box fan story, but I feel like there's something else I need to say instead. And that is, when I first got started teaching these things and I was doing seminars, you know, when I'm pregnant, I, my um, hormones and my moods are just, it's, it's impossible for me to think positive when I'm pregnant. I know it's probably a chemical imbalance or something, but so early on, I, I was expecting and I was, you know, frustrated with the world, nothing was right, I was angry at everybody, Just it was just one of those moods. And I felt the Lord saying, okay, you need to do another class. I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't do a seminar thinking this way. I can't teach people how to think positive when I'm thinking this way. Nobody will come. Nobody will want to be there. I am the worst example in the world. And, you know, so all these negative thoughts, but like you said, it wouldn't leave me alone. It wouldn't leave me alone, and it finally got to the point where I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do it, but, you know, I don't promise that I'm going to do it good. I'm just going to go through the motions. If you can make something good of it, great, go for it, you know. <laughs> I've, I've got this little yeah. attitude going on. And so I didn't think positive about it. I was thinking extremely negative about it, but I was still willing to do what I felt like the Lord wanted me to do. And by turning the rest of it over to him knowing that I'll do the best I can but he's going to have to finish the job that ended up being the 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 most well attended seminar I had ever put on and here I didn't believe anybody would come and so that's one thing that I think separates my philosophy from other gurus out there that teach the law of attraction and everything is that yes there are laws but you don't have to live them perfectly as long as you rely on your creator to help make up the difference because we are not superhuman we don't have to be we are just who we are and the lord can do so much through us if we are just willing to move our feet and trust that however pathetic we are and however meager our effort is he can still make something out of it search the scriptures he does it all the time and it's the people who say oh i'm i'm not good enough that don't get anything done and what can he do with that and I think, I really think that's the ones he loves to work with, Leslie. Or the little girls are kicking a stream and <laughs> doing exactly yeah. what he says. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you guys, this hour has flown by. Thank you, Leslie, for joining us. I hope you guys have a great day. See you next time. Bye-bye. This concludes today's episode of the Rare Faith Podcast. You've been listening to Leslie Householder, author of The Jackrabbit Factor, Portal to Genius, and Hidden Treasures, Heaven's Astonishing Help with Your Money Matters. All three books can be downloaded free at a rarekindoffaith.com. So tell your friends and join Leslie again next time as she goes even deeper into the principles that will help you change your life.